Thank you for downloading this month's podcast of BJOG Editor's Choice with Deputy Editor-in-Chief Patrick Chien. From the October issue of BJOG, I have some significant papers to draw to your attention. Firstly, a study on cerebral palsy and gestational age. Cerebral palsy is less common in children born after 37 weeks of gestation compared to those born prematurely. However, it can still exist due to the presence of obstetric risk factors such as prematurity. Frank and colleagues reported on the findings of a retrospective cohort Canadian study on 802 children born after 37 completed weeks of gestation over a 16-year time period. All the children were deemed to have met an objective diagnostic criteria for cerebral palsy undertaken at least after two years of age. The study aimed to assess whether the predictive risk factors for cerebral palsy, neurological subtype, clinical severity, and existing comorbidities such as cognitive impairment, visual and auditory impairment, the need for tube feeding and convulsions, differ in those individuals born between 37 and 40 weeks plus 6 days of gestation compared to those born after 41 weeks. The data from this study showed that neonatal encephalopathy was more common and hyperbilirubinemia was less prevalent in those babies born in the later gestational epoch. However, there was no difference observed in the neurological cerebral palsy subtype, clinical severity and comorbidities between babies born in these two gestational periods. This is probably the largest study of its type given that it is relatively uncommon to observe cerebral palsy in babies born at term. Given that gestational age does not predict the prognostic outlook of cerebral palsy for those babies born at term, routine delivery before 41 weeks of gestation for such babies is therefore unlikely to reduce the burden of this condition and confer any benefit. Our second paper examines the clinical safety of clomiphene citrate, a non-steroidal estrogen partial antagonist. I can still remember from my time in training that this was a drug of choice for ovulation induction in women with normal gonadotrophic and ovulatory infertility and also unexplained infertility. Since then, there are other newer drugs such as aromatase inhibitors of which Letrozole would be an example. Wheeler and colleagues conducted a population-based study on the association of exposure to clomiphene citrate from two months preconception till the first month of pregnancy with, age, with either major fetal malformations or specific organ anomalies as the main study outcome. This study looked at over 100,000 pregnancies over a 12-year period of which approximately 1.6% of these pregnancies were exposed to clomiphene citrate. Reassuringly, there was no increase in odds of major congenital malformations with clomiphene citrate exposure. Although the odds of the presence of esophageal atresia was increased in the unadjusted analysis, this effect was no longer present in the adjusted effect size. The findings from this study are likely to be relied on due to the inclusion of pregnancies that were terminated for suspected congenital malformations in order to those resulting in births. Adjustment for possible confounding was also performed in the data analysis.
This conclusion is further endorsed by Afnan in his accompanying mini-commentary to this article. Given that the clinical safety and cost for any therapeutic agent used for infertility is important, clomiphene citrate is likely to be continued to be used in clinical practice for the foreseeable future. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BJOG. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at BJOG Tweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.